What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm going to tell you. It's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when that time doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make Ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shish-goom-bahs tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, Ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step through a unique, never-before-tested formula. The founder, Steve Piper, is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery, of not knowing who's reading your books, of losing 50 to 70% of the hard-earned money you make through book sales, Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readerships. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. Let's get right into it today. My guest is Ashley Emma. She is a fellow Ammo customer, author, and she is kicking butt and taking names. A couple of the interesting things we cover is her success selling paperbacks. Uh, and I found it interesting to learn that she's had more success selling ebooks through Amazon and paperbacks through Ammo. I can't sell paperbacks to save my life. My ebook deal keeps me running up and alive, but audiobooks and paperbacks don't seem to be of interest to my customers, or I haven't figured out how to highlight the value quite correctly. But Ashley is killing it. And so this is a super fun conversation with somebody who's about the same place in their ammo career as me, but way further ahead in the publishing world than I am. Take note of a comment and a part of the discussion toward the end of this episode when Ashley talks about why she picked Amish romance. It's fascinating to hear her story and what happened to her because of that choice to hone in on that genre. I hope you really enjoy this episode. As always, there's links to my books, there's links to Ashley's books, there's links to her doorbuster, there's links to Ammo, if you're an author listening right now and you want to make money as a, an author and, and, and a living, then Ammo is a great way to do that. I'm trying to bring guests to you just about every week who have uh, made money through Ammo. So you see that it's not just a couple of success stories, but a repeatable pattern. That's really all I've got for you right now. So please enjoy my conversation with Ashley Emma. This is TRBM Ammo Edition. If you're a published author and want to make a living writing books and selling them to avid readers, you've come to the right place. There's simply no program that's more successful at driving readers towards the books you've written. So the only thing you have to worry about is writing a great book. And the system with enamel takes care of the rest. Thanks for listening to this conversation. That's why I niche down so much, because mm-hmm. if you do just regular Amish romance, it's really hard to sell. So mine are like Amish crime and um, oh, wow. Amish fairy tales. Yeah. So like no one else. To, I think there's one or two other people that have done Amish fairy tales, which I didn't realize till after I published mine. I was like, That's oh, that cool. was the first one. <laughs> and we have um, to, all the stories. Yeah. So we have to dive into those those niches because they they already strike me as being like super niche, which is fun. Yeah. Um, and then I guess. With that, you have light bulb in the background for anybody who's just listening. Um, so it's clear that you're using electricity. Are you Amish? Do you have history with the Amish? What what brings you to writing uh, Amish romances or Amish in general? I'm not, not at all. I'm not Amish at all. But I started um, when I was 19, I think. Wow. I'm 32 now. Yeah, I used to, when I was a teenager, I started publishing 
fantasy and my I published my first book at like 16 on Lulu and I would sell them out of my car and then when I was 19 my mom started reading um Amish romance because that's more the demographic is like women 55 it's like Christian women 55 plus mostly so she was reading it and I read a series by Wanda Brunsetter or Brunsetter I don't know how you say it and I loved it and so I decided I'm going to write one but I didn't know anything about it so I lived with Amish families and my books are set in Maine so I oh, live okay. in, but they're you do. Like two okay. hours, yeah, two hours north of me in Maine in Unity and Unity College is there, which is very well known. Okay. So I went there. I called, well, I called them first. I called Lancaster County because everyone thinks of that. And I didn't know they were Amish in Maine. So mm-hmm. I, and yeah. they said, why don't you just go to the one in Maine? So I called them and I couldn't find any phone numbers except for a store that was there that was Amish. Okay. So I called the store and that owner invited me to go stay with him and his family oh, cool. he had wow. nine kids at the time and that was 10 okay well like 12 years ago I was like I was 20 wow. so it was 12 years ago when I first went and I my mom went with me because I was scared <laughs> so yeah, um she went with me <laughs> and we brought our own clothes we went to Goodwill and got long dresses we just wanted to blend in sure they didn't tell us to we just wanted they Felt said like that was the right thing to do yeah. yeah. And then we brought toilet paper because we didn't know if. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we got there, we were really embarrassed because they have toilets in their house. Yeah. And they don't use electricity, but right. they use um, like propane lights on the ceiling that they would light. And then oh, they do. OK. Yeah. I don't know how they I forget how they run their toilets. I think it was propane. Mo- I was going to say water. most most plumbing doesn't actually need electricity uh, yeah. except for the hot water portion of it. So, yeah. Okay, because I did have hot water and okay. showers, which I was really surprised. But yeah. other than that, like, I don't think they had a fridge. That place, they don't have refrigerators. In Pennsylvania, they do. They have pens- oh. propane-run refrigerators. So okay. each community is very different, and, like, especially each state. Um, yeah. But each community really decides, like, the bishop right. and the elders will decide what's allowed. So, you know, yeah. you might go one place. They had, in Unity, a bike repair shop that the Amish people owned. But other places, bikes are banned. So it's oh, really wow. different. Yeah. And like, they'll use scooters. I don't know wow. why that's better. Okay. <laughs> they, they're allowed to ride scooters, yeah. but they can't ride bikes. It's, yeah. That's really interesting. So, yeah. It's very different depending on where you go. So my, my mom grew up uh, in, uh, uh, golly, now I'm going to forget the, the version of the church. This is horrible Mennonite? anyways. Um, no, not not Mennonite. It wasn't quite that serious. Yeah. Um, but they they couldn't they couldn't read the newspaper on Sunday. They couldn't drink coffee on Sunday. Um, it it'll come to me eventually, or I'll put it in the the front matter of the podcast. Uh, but it, it's it's not Latter Day Saints either. No, it's a, it's a traditional Christian church. So, um, yeah. but anyways, I, she grew up in that tradition, and I always thought it was funny because they had these rules. Uh, and the rules sometimes seemed a little bit arbitrary and the way that they would get around the rules. And as much as I, I am deeply open to exploring and understanding and just like loving different cultures and practices, it's strange that propane is okay, but electricity is not okay because you can generate electricity with propane. So it's sort of like a technicality and it's really weird. That's true. And I was surprised when um, like in Unity, they would have ice houses under their well, some one house did, others didn't, but the first house I went to had mm. like a room. Sorry, my kids are outside and they might yell, but mm-hmm. a room under their house full of ice and they put all their food in there, like huge blocks of ice. Yeah. They would go to the pond and get b- blocks of ice and bring it there. Wow. And um, I, I think most of the houses had that. And then um, I'm trying to remember if any of them had refrigerators. I don't think so. I think it was more in Pennsylvania. Mm. We actually go to okay. Lancaster every year. My oh, you do? Okay. Husband, yeah. With my husband's grandmother um lives right there it's lit it's so okay. she lives right next to it. so people ask me if that's why but i didn't get married to him till a few years after i started writing okay. so it's totally not connected but we sure. do end up going there um every year but my books are not uh-huh. there. okay <laughs> nazarene by the way it's nazarene that's what nazarene. My oh yes. yes okay uh, so, and then I, that's my next question for you is, uh, so not Amish, maybe uh, kind of an interest in Amish culture. Uh, did you grow up in the church? So like you have all of the background of, of Bible and Jesus and all that kind of stuff, or is that also something that you're just interested in, but not necessarily a practicing person for? Um, yes. No, I'm Christian. I've been a Christian okay. my whole life. Um, 
we go to church locally and um, we homeschool and well, that's not really connected, but a lot of people who are not Christian homeschool, but yeah, so I'm definitely practicing Christian. So I was already pretty familiar with a lot of their beliefs. It's very Mm -hmm. similar. When I went to Unity, a lot of pretty much everything we believed was the same, except for the electricity part and not and the way they dress. Mm-hmm. everything else was the same. So yeah. I could really easily relate to them. Um, and they let me ask a ton of questions and I still cool. have more that I forgot to ask them that I, I need to like, that I've thought of over the years that people yeah. have asked me, I'm like, Oh, I should ask. <laughs> so, um, I might need to go back soon. And yeah. Um, so a couple yeah. little setup questions. One, I have heard that the Amish have kind of a, maybe even an unwritten rule, but basically it, like, even in your case, if you reach out and say, I'm needing a place to stay, I'm traveling through, uh, part of being Amish is saying, yes, my house is open to you. Uh, feel free to come and stay. Like, uh, it, did you experience that as being true or is that, is that, uh, false? <laughs> I think it's, I'm, they didn't say so, but yeah. when I called and they did not know me, they said I could come. And then, yeah. After that first family I stayed with, um, I met a, I met everyone there pretty much. I mean, there, sure. it, at the time it was 75 people. And when I was there, another family invited me back. It was that man's brother or sister, sorry. Okay. His sister mm-hmm. invited me back. And then um, their friend invited me back. So I went three times. And then I also, one of the daughters got married and she invited me to her wedding. So we actually ended oh, wow. up getting that close that she invited me. So I got to go to an Amish awesome. wedding. And it That's was like, great. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was okay. really interesting. Very different than what. Yeah. No cake or there's no kiss. There's oh. no nothing. No kiss. <laughs> there's no kissing. There's okay. no vows. There's it's oh my goodness. like a church service. It's mm-hmm. two hours. Wait, oh. Okay. Was it three? Oh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was three hours. Um, I think it was nine to twelve, and then it was all very slow hymns for like an hour and a half three different people preached. And then at the end, it was like a really quick, they stood up, did really like not normal vows. It was mm. like a shorter version and there was no kiss and it was just your husband and wife. That's it. So there, that's and there was a, pot, a potluck lunch after. Okay. So there was no catering, no cake, no flowers, no only acapella music singing. Okay. No wow. And the dress that she wore was the same as what she would, like the clothes they would wear is the same as what they would always wear, but they would make a brand new dress. That's all. But it was like a blue dress with a white apron and a white head covering. And oh my goodness! So okay. yeah, it's wow. so different than yeah. So whenever that's I have a wedding I have. in my books, I have to explain, you know, the difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm. people are curious about what their weddings are like too. So yeah, absolutely. That's uh, I would I wouldn't have thought that it would be that different necessarily, but uh, it makes sense. Um, And then the other thing I've heard is that every Amish uh, child, when they grow to um, maturity, I guess, then Mm -hmm. they're they're told to go out into the world and decide if they want to continue to be Amish and live their life as an Amish person, or if they want to leave the Amish community and and uh, enter kind of the wider world, I guess. And that's like their version of a bar mitzvah almost. Is that accurate to your understanding? Is is that true? Yes. Although I don't quite know what a bar mitzvah is, but it's, yeah, this oh, is. Oh, sure. So bar mitzvah is the, the coming of age for, for the Jewish community and they do it at 13. So it's obviously a little bit earlier, but it's when the Jewish community traditionally decides that, that, that boy, and I think they only do bar mitzvahs for boys, uh, mm-hmm. is, is a man, you know, quote unquote. Okay. Yeah. But it's, similar so it's kind of funny where i went in unity they don't even do that they said they don't we'll let them go if they want to no one has yet so oh wow it's been 12 years i bet by now someone has i think in the bigger communities and i've always read it in the novels they do and it's like it's a big deal and they're allowed to go for a year or so they call it room springer or room springer and um it's called like it means running around so they get to go experience yeah um, and I think a lot of them really go on the deep end and they get into the drugs and the alcohol and then yeah. they don't come back. And then a lot of them do come back and they get to, if they come back, yeah. they stay, they have to stay. Um, and if they end up staying, they get baptized into the church. And if they leave after that, they're shunned. And that's wow. not for every single community, but that's normal. Sure. Um, and where I went, no one's ever been shunned. No one had ever left. No one had ever joined. That was an outsider. Um, so it's kind of more 
not much has happened there. Not okay. much drama. <laughs> so so but, yeah, in the books, they talk about that a lot. So. Okay. That's what I was going to say. So is that then like, I, I'm picturing in my mind that that might be a whole subgenre is if you're going to write Amish romance, you write Amish romance during their room springa. <laughs> right. I mean, when they go crazy or like, that's an easy place to write romance. <laughs> I guess I have not, I've mentioned it. Um, okay. Like some of my characters have gone and come back. Okay. And um, a lot of characters in my books will end up just leaving. <laughs> so okay. like, that seems kind of negative, but if they fall in love with someone, they'll leave. Or really yeah. a lot of times in my books, I try to keep it positive. So like an outsider will mm-hmm. join in to get married to an Amish person, um, yeah. which is, is it's pretty rare. I don't think that happens yeah. very often, but my readers like to read about it. And um, that norm, I think that's normally what happens. And if they do leave, I try to make it so there's no shunning or anything negative. It's like they leave before mm-hmm. they get baptized and then they stay close with the family or they live nearby and they still talk to them and they're yeah. not, you know, outcasts or anything. Um, so I I don't think, I think in my first book, she does get shunned. She leaves okay. after she's baptized and she's shunned and she ends up going back undercover as a police detective. So mm-hmm. no, she pretends like, like she's coming back to stay. Uh, to rejoin oh, wow. but she's actually a detective and there was a murder and she has to investigate that's so fun. that's the only one where like one of my characters is is shot that i can think of there's okay. a lot so i have over 20 amish books so i'm trying to remember okay which one is yeah but that's i don't write about that as much as i think most of the other ones do so yeah a lot a lot of the books are about the shunning and the rumspringa and all the craziness but although a lot of them are those are like a kind of a little bit of a different genre like you said like they're like the scandalous mm-hmm. ones most yeah. of them are very like sweet wholesome clean that's what the readers mm-hmm. want like the readers who read Amish right. romance don't want any like sex or violence or well mine do have violence because they're crimes but not right. you know nothing too bad um no swearing nothing they they want like a good clean wholesome story so I I try to keep it positive. Although my books do deal with very heavy topics, mm-hmm. but I try to paint the Amish in a positive light, if that makes sense. Of so, course. Yeah. So it's like a balance. <laughs> yeah. So you've written 20 Amish books. Did you write anything outside of the genre or did you know right away that this was the thing for you? Um, I have, when I was 14, I wrote a fantasy novel and then like a fantasy wow. novella. And those are not. That's right. Published. You said that. Yeah. They used to be published and I took them down because I'm one day I might do a pen name and branch out and do that. Sure. Um, and then I have like a young adult Christian romance suspense that's published, but no one reads it because it's not Amish. And I'm known for the Amish books and no one cares about my other stuff. Um, hmm. That, yeah, when I was 19, that's when I decided to just write Amish. And ever since then, that's pretty much all I've written. I did like a co-writing book with a few other people. Um, the guy who wrote Chicken Noodle Soup for the Soul. I did one oh, yeah. Okay, and then cool. Ray Brem. And then other, mm-hmm. those were like nonfiction. And I have one about my trips to go research and live with the Amish and the rest are all Amish fiction. So okay, that's pretty so much. So two nonfiction. I, yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, one released yesterday. It's Amish Red Riding. Oh, so awesome. last night, actually at midnight, it came out. <laughs> so, okay. So that's, that's cool. brand new. Yep. Very cool. And so everything is self-published. Yes. Uh, except possibly the chicken noodle soup one. Um for the soul. <laughs> no, they self-published that one. They do. Okay. They did. And I have two audiobooks that are published by Tantor Media. Um ah, my first okay. my first two Amish books I ever wrote and that's it. They just did the first two. Um Okay. So that is something I would like to do. I know Steve talks about um audiobooks in the course and I haven't gotten that far yet. Okay. So that is something I would like to do down the road when I save up some more funds and hire an yeah. ar- have a narrator picked out actually probably that yeah. I Fiverr that I really like. So nice. Okay. I, I um I was listening to these books by Chuck Wendig. Um, he writes it's a, what would you call him? I mean, there's some element of sci-fi, but they're in a recognizable here and now um, where you have like post-apocalyptic kind of horrible thing that happens. Uh, and and there's multiple narrators for those books, but uh, Exy Sands is one mm-hmm. of the narrators for the, the female characters. And 
like I just fell in love with her voice and I immediately thought she sounds exactly like who I think my main character is for my main mystery series. So I reached out to her thinking I'd never hear anything and just said, Hey, I've got this really foul mouthed, awful human being of a detective. uh, And I think you'd be, (laughs) you'd be a perfect fit for it, which now thinking back, I'm like, I think I just insulted her accidentally, but she said that sounds exactly like my kind of uh, book. And so I ended up working with her. It's expensive to get them made. Mm -hmm. Um, but when you're self-published, owning the rights to your audiobook is a, a really cool perk that I think a lot of authors don't think about. Um, and with that said, I have not figured out how to make decent money with the audiobooks yet. I only have two of them done as well. And so um, I can't figure out the price point right now to get people interested in it. So anytime I've run an audiobook funnel, uh, it flops pretty hard. Oh, we'll, get there, though. we'll yeah. get there. We'll get there. But yeah, one day I think I think mine are like seven fifty, which is really cheap, and I only get a so cheap. Is it? I, that's not a normal price. I think they're more like more like fifteen. I think normally. Um, um, so like Steve was even talking about it on the call today, and he said um, that basically the model at the moment is Audible, and Audible gives you credits, and an Audible credit per month is ten ninety five. So he's like, generally speaking audiobooks are being kind of capped at 1095. So if you want to enter into the field and be a little bit cheaper, maybe do a deal for two of them and do like 1499. He said 1999. Every time he says 1999 for like two of something, I immediately flinch. I'm probably wrong. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it just seems tough to sell two audiobooks for 1999. That's roughly the same price as Audible. You're just trying to divert them from that flow into yours, right? Okay. I think so. I'm not as familiar with audiobooks. But oh, yeah, I, I tried them. to sell my ebooks at 19.99 and I sold none. <laughs> right. Yeah. My readers this, are used to paying less. So this no, this is a really good, it's a good transition to talk a little bit about this. I would I don't I want to wander a little bit. I don't want to necessarily just talk about ammo, but um okay. you are known among the group, I think, for selling paperbacks. That's kind of your your area. You're selling a lot more paperbacks per transaction than most people. Is that right? Am I remembering correctly? I, Yes, it actually it is. I started out with just ebooks and oh, I could okay. be profitable. It's really, really weird because on yeah. Amazon I sell like 90% ebooks and I'm in Kindle Unlimited mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. most of my money comes from pages read. So yeah. I had to remove one series from mm-hmm. that from Kindle Unlimited to test it on ammo. And I tried that for like two months and it just wasn't working. And then um someone said how they were publish or sending out books from their KDP account. And so I thought, yeah. okay, I'll do that. And when I set that up, it finally really, it just started snowballing and I was profitable. And then this week I increased my ad budget by $5 and I'm not, but yeah. I'm just waiting for it'll, it'll return to its profitable oh. state. I have to give it, it takes like a week. It takes more than three days for me. Um, but I actually took my eBooks Sorry, I put my eBooks back into yeah. limited because of my new release. I knew I'd make a lot through that. So okay. I want to put them back in. So right now I have my sales pages with all my paperbacks and then they have a, they can click to go to Amazon and buy the eBooks. So it says, if you want eBooks, click here and go to Amazon. So okay. that's working. They're go, there's, I'm, my royalties are great on Amazon. I'm happy with that. And um, I think with my readers, that's better for them because they were having a really hard time with downloading the eBooks. Because oh, they're really? 65 plus and they were just like, sure. what is book funnel? And they oh, get interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then they would think they were paperbacks all the time. And I know that's okay. a common thing in ammo. Um, so it just works better for me. I know a lot of people have said, don't put anything about Amazon on your page. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. So I did. Okay. So <laughs> that's a great thing because I love coloring outside the lines with this program, but I want to make sure I'm completely understanding what you're saying. Your eBooks go directly to Amazon. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's the, the page is for the paperbacks because it's very strange how on Facebook, 99% of the people want the paperbacks and on Amazon, they all want the eBooks. It's, okay. it's the same age range. It's the same audience. Sure. I don't know. I don't know. So it's funny because on Amazon, mm-hmm. I don't really sell any paperback. Well, like now I do because of ammo. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't notice it until the other day, but someone texted me and said, how much do you make in paperbacks per month? And it was like 200 or so for the longest okay. time. And I'd make like four or five, whatever thousand in ebooks and pages read. And I'm like, oh, I yeah. hardly sell any paperbacks. And when ammo started taking off, now I make like a thousand in paperbacks. I didn't even notice nice. until I went wow. and looked and I'm like in June, it went from 200 to 900. What yeah. did I, I didn't do anything? I'm so yeah. focused on ammo. I'm barely touching Amazon right now. Right. Um, so I know that's from ammo. 
So that's, that's great. Um, but yeah, that's it just amazing. says, you know, here are all my paperbacks. If you want ebooks, click here, takes you to Amazon. Okay. And that works because they trust Amazon right. um, with, or, you know, they know how to download it. So, so. Um, I guess one of my questions then is if you're running it that way for uh, the eBooks, are you capturing their customer data somehow? Do you, do you build your list or if they go to the eBooks, you get the reads, but not the, the, the customer? That's, I think you're right with the second one. Um, okay. It does say in all of my eBooks in the front and back, click yep. here to sign up for the free book. So uh-huh. I think a lot of them are doing that. And okay. that's how I've grown my list. Uh, I have about 30,000 now between Dang. the two lists. So it's it's been six years. So it took a long time. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I think a lot of them are doing that. I hope so. Okay. I'm not sure. That, I guess yeah. it's a specific way to know. Um, yep. But I'm okay with that because I get the emails with the people who get the paperbacks and that's most mm-hmm. of them. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, structuring this conversation is tough because I'm personally really drawn to the idea of being able to run a profitable uh, paperback model. It's mm-hmm. just it's where my own heart is at. If if you could see my surroundings, I'm surrounded by books. I buy paperbacks all the time. Hardbacks actually are my very favorite. I own mm-hmm. so many hardback books. I don't like reading eBooks. It's a last resort for me. Okay. I will read it because more self-published people uh, tend to focus on eBooks. And so I will want to have to. I like audiobooks as well, but I, I just really love holding the book in my hand. There's a different relationship I have with it. I tend to prefer authors uh, who I've read in paperback. And uh, maybe that world is dying, but because that's the case, and Steve will say this all the time, don't try to imprint your uh, like tastes on your audience, but I really want to figure out how to get paperbacks running. And I, I currently have not, I don't, the last paperback I sold was to a friend of mine who has a, a, a fiction podcast. I literally have not sold a paperback since him. So, and that's been weeks. So I'm profitable with eBooks right now, but I can't sell paperbacks. Oh, that's interesting. Well, now that Book Vault has come out, I can't wait to, I need it. I need to actually yeah. set that up because I spent about a half hour or so a night shipping them out from KDP, um, which is no big deal. That's fine. But I'm excited to not have to do that anymore. Um so, cause I've, I've screwed up a few orders. It's really hard to okay. keep track. It's just like, you know, if you have 10 or so a day, I'll just, you know, I go through and click mm-hmm. each one and I think occasionally I skip over one by accident and they'll yeah. email me and say, where are my books? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I just, I don't know what happened. I'm like, mm-hmm. I do this all by myself, you know, so I'm sorry if I skipped it and I'll send them an extra book to make up for it. Cause I, nice. so yeah. they get an extra book and I'm like, you know, sorry, here's book four, you know, you can get, cause I do trilogies. Um, okay. You, that's what most people buy is the first book. And it's like a giant, here's one. Mm-hmm. This is not the one, but it's, it's usually like this. Oh, wow. Like, you know, that's really it's, substantial. Yeah. That's, it's that's about common for romance. Is that, is that common for, um, okay, wait a sec. So I'm remembering a this conversation in the Facebook group, but it's not yours. You said, or well, I'm in it. It's oh, 14, it's an anthology. It's 14 authors and gotcha. it's okay. novellas, but it looks about this size and it's three full-length books inside. So. I gotcha. That's right. So you were the one who was having a conversation on Facebook recently about you You basically are bundling your books right now. So you're selling multiple books inside of one. It's a trilogy, but it's all bound together. Yes. And they, they are full-length. Um, it's sure. just a lot cheaper to print it that way. I mean, it's actually mm-hmm. not that much cheaper. I thought it was going to be. But I yeah. recently, um, someone said, why don't you just test selling them three individual books? Because I yeah. didn't realize on Amazon, if you do more than one book, the shipping goes up by like $2. It's not that much. Yeah, right. So I did that and I was charging, I think 40 instead of, it was like $10 more. I can't remember which okay. series it was and no one bought it. So I think they oh, just wow. like the okay. cheaper price point. Yeah. And it's essentially the same thing. Sure. One or two people have complained saying I have arthritis and I can't hold big this, books. This yeah. is probably a pound. And a half it's pound. heavy. Yeah. It's a big book. <laughs> I don't know, how, I mean, but it's, yeah. So it's not like a regular paperback. So I, um, I just read your fellow main, main writer, Stephen King, um, oh, in, yeah. like a collected the Bachman books and uh, the, it was the long walk and it's in this just, it's like big, like that book you were. And I do notice it. I notice when I'm holding a really big book that it's just a little more cumbersome. You can never find exactly the position you want. So you're moving your hands a lot more than if it's a smaller book. Um, true. But I like the feeling of a substantial book too. My favorite books are all really huge. So. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> I thought more people were not going to like that. It was big because they're older, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't bother them. 
I don't think for the most part, I think it's okay because people are con- constantly commenting in the ad saying, I got mine. I love it. I read the whole thing. I'm buying the next one. And I have a lot right. of repeat customers and they just keep getting the trilogies. And then I have one click upsell, which I highly recommend. Rachel told me about it. Mm-hmm. Anna, and I was using sell easy, but it limits you to mm-hmm. two items when you're upselling. Right. Yeah. And I have six books, well, at least six books in each series. So I want to upsell them, you know, yeah. at least three books. So I switch to one click upsell and you get mm-hmm. to do like they buy the book of the first three and then it offers them three more. And then if mm-hmm. they accept it, they, it offers them three more. Wow. And if they don't want it, it offers them something else. Yeah. So it's, I think that's been making me more money. Definitely. That's, that's awesome. People like to get the whole series. And before I couldn't offer them, they're like, how yeah. do I get the whole series? Right. I'm like, sorry, I can only offer you two more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Talk to it's, me a little bit about how, how that is actually working for you. So I'm I'm curious, how are you structuring your paperback offer? You said you're doing trilogies. So you do three books in one. What is mm-hmm. the cost of the three books that you're doing in your offer? So if they want, um, I have two series that are the first three. And okay. then my other one is five books in one. And it's okay. it's probably this big, actually. Um, and I had to do like a smaller font, but it's, it's probably, this is slightly yeah, So for everybody who's listening, I mean, it's like two inches okay. thick, basically. It's 800. So the, the maximum amount of pages you can print on KDP is 828 pages. Okay. And this one is like 820. It's up there. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it's all five of, well, now there's book six that just came up yesterday, but okay. it's all five books in one. And it's funny because I offer them that mm-hmm. or the first three. So the first three are $19.99. And if they want all five, it is, well, with shipping, okay, the first three are 25 And if sure. they want all five books, it's 35 including shipping. And everyone wow. gets all five. Occasionally, I'll That's sell. That's really fascinating. Isn't that so funny? I mean, like you almost doubled it basically for two more books. So you actually, it's a worse deal for five than it is for, for three. And they're still going for the five. Yeah, right. Because with shipping, yeah. um, I want to, yeah, it's 30 And then with the shipping, it's 35 Five. So yeah, and they're still pay- they they're paying more, which was surprising to me because they didn't want my three separate books. They just wanted to pay less for one giant one. So okay. um, that's what I've been doing. And then I upsell them book six now. I just set that up. And then okay. for the other two series, it's the first three books in the trilogy paperback, and those are twenty seven, including wow. so okay. it's like nineteen ninety nine plus seven dollars shipping or something like that. Mm. Um, and I'm thinking of raising that. Yeah, I make like a thirteen dollar profit on it. It cost me, okay, cost me thirteen to ship it. Um, and print Talk it. to me a little bit about um, the way that you're structuring your your ad targeting specifically. I haven't talked enough about that on this podcast, but um, it seems like it's a good place to talk about it since you're having success with paperbacks. What what does the targeting look like? If you don't remember exactly every single uh, target that you have, no worries. But I'd love to know how you're targeting to do what you're doing. Okay. Um, I'm looking it up right now to check. So I know it's Hallmark and Naomi just said on the call, she does Hallmark too, actually. Um, mm-hmm. That's definitely those kinds of people. They want like a feel good, clean story. Yeah. Um, and then I have now, how do I find edit? Okay. Edit audience. Oh, here it is. Okay. Um, Debbie Maycumber, which is what my coach told me to do about a year ago. And then okay. um, Wanda Brunsetter. She's the only Amish author I can find to target on there. Like Beverly oh, wow. is the most well-known I would say mm-hmm. she's not an option on there or else I would, I would use her. So it yeah. says Wanda Brinsetter, Hallmark channel, romance novels, Hallmark hall of fame. I think that's the TV channel. Cozy okay. mystery, Hallmark movies, contemporary romance, Debbie Maycumber, historical romance, which is like, you know, similar if it's a clean historical. Um, yeah. And then romantic thriller, because I have one series that's a suspense. And then it must match Amazon Kindle and eBooks. Oh, really? So okay, it's so you're you're intentionally targeting eBooks, and yet you're selling paperbacks. Yeah. I mean, it's so weird. That and everyone really will comment saying, "Well, when it was just eBooks, they'd say I don't read eBooks; I only read paperbacks." Um, and I think it's okay. just the age group. I wonder if that does that mean that it's like it's almost like it's a a function of your audience as much as anything else? Then, um, you mean like specific to that audience? I. I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, like, cause I actually still skew almost as old as you do in terms of sales. I, even though I'm selling mystery, gritty mystery, okay. m- most people who buy are 55 plus. So it's, okay. but it seems like it's almost as if something inside of your audience 
including the age, is causing people to want paperbacks. I, yeah, and I don't know what it is because on Amazon they all get the ebooks. It's really bizarre. Um, and I I think if you tried selling paperback, I think with that age group, I didn't realize your age group was fifty five plus. That I think that would be great for you if you ever wanted to. Now that book falls out, you could set it up. But um, right, the, yeah. The weird thing is, you know, with the freebie funnel, when they I in the beginning of Ammo, I had the freebie funnel only, mm-hmm, right? And I did okay with it, but no one was buying. They would right, download yeah. it and they'd say, how do I download? They would just, they would get confused oh, about book funnel. Okay. And that should have been a red flag. And yeah. a lot of people have that problem though. And then when yeah. I switched to direct sales, my sales went way up. And it's okay. funny because I'm still targeting people who like ebooks. Yeah. So isn't that interesting? Isn't that weird? I shouldn't. It is weird. I might try that to just reading, take off eBooks and just put reading and see mm-hmm. if that makes a difference. But, um, the other day I tried the freebie funnel again Mm -hmm. and I ran it for about a week and I didn't make any sales on it. So oh, really? Okay. I I don't even know how many downloads I got. I don't think it was very many. So I just, I think it's just, they don't care about eBooks and it's weird. Cause when I started ammo, I didn't think I'd sell any paperbacks. I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, bother. I I don't sell any on Amazon. I'm not going to sell any here. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect that at all. <laughs> so yeah, kind of weird how it was the total opposite. So yeah, it is. I, I mean, I, I again, I would really like it just because that's how I prefer to read. And so, um, as much as I know I'm not supposed to try to cater to myself, uh, in the back of my head, I want it. I just follow the numbers right now, regardless of what I want. I follow the numbers. So if mm-hmm. uh, an ad is doing well, I don't care if I like it. I don't care if I think it's pretty. I just run it. I've got an ad going right now that is muddy looking. The, the the graphic itself does not appeal to my eyes. I do think it's funny if you look closely at it, but on the size of most people's screens, it's got to just not look very good at all. And mm-hmm. it's only got about a four and a half percent click through rate. It's costing me a buck 38 per click. And every single time someone clicks on it, they buy it right now. I mean, I'm like very close to a hundred percent. I don't get a lot of clicks, but when they click, they buy. And I've never seen that happen before. So it's like, I'm just kind of watching it in bemused awe. Like, how is this happening? How am I selling on such a crappy ad, <laughs> but something must prime their mind to buy. Wow. How do you know if they, okay. So you're looking at the purchase the purchases and yeah. how did you figure that out that they were all buying um, or did uh, you do Shopify or no. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is a mix of Shopify. So I do, I do one of the unpardonable, unpardonable sins of ammo and that I do use this same page for the podcast. So people have an opportunity to visit my buy page through my podcast the same way. Um, Cause I always thought if I'm doing a, an ammo podcast, I should better offer my readers the same opportunity to buy my books here as they would elsewhere. Steve right. says never mix because then your data is not pure. And that is true. But okay. in this case, Shopify will tell me every time someone clicks the hello.jodyjsperling.com link. And I know that those people are coming from either my podcast or my Facebook ad. Um, and then I'm just able to narrow it down based on like today I had three people visit that page, three of them purchased hundred mm-hmm. percent retention rate. So that's how wow, I, wow, that's so good for an ad. None of my ads are like, <laughs> no, I've never had anything even close. And and like I said, again, imagine if it were converting at like upwards of 6% and it didn't cost me almost a buck 50 per click, I'd mm-hmm. really be in the money. Um, right. But yeah, you, you just kind of go along with what you do. It's, it's weird to me. And I, I want to hear you talk a little bit about this too, because I imagine you've had some of this same stress. I wonder sometimes in having maybe, let's say I have 10 ads right now that all have the correct metrics to do what they're supposed to do. When I have a good day, I always wonder, would one of the other ads have done better? Do you have that ever where you're wondering like, this one's great. I'm making money, but what if I could have done better? Oh yeah, definitely. Although right now I only have one campaign running because yeah. that was the only way to get out of learning. I, I was in learning for so oh, sure. My ads were in learning. They I've just never gotten out. Yeah. I yeah. I had to add um put it up to a hundred a day to get out of learning. And it was only okay. at 39 sales a week. It wasn't 50, like I think most people oh. 50. Isn't that weird? Really? That's, that's, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're out now. Um, now, um, so pause really quickly and then uh, remember what you're going to say. But so once you get out of learning, do you notice that you build better traction? Like, do you actually see an increase in sales or is this like this mythical thing of like, hey, I escaped learning, but nothing really changed? It, it's not that different. It's um, yeah. okay. It, well, although I think that my ads are like ultra sensitive because 
anytime. Uh-huh. I know Steve says up to 20% every three days that you can increase yeah. it. And if I increase my budget by $5, it yeah. just barely breaks even for like three or four days. It's been since Friday. Wow. Wednesday. Did I change it Wednesday? I think I increased it by $5 on Wednesday. And okay. I think I've been in the negative since then every day. Oh, no. And I'm I, like, I, oh, that's annoying. Yeah. It'll go absolutely. back. I think, but it, it has yeah. every time. It just takes, it takes a while. So. Okay. So you mentioned that earlier and I do want to wrap back around to that for people who run Amazon ads or excuse me, Facebook ads, regardless of, of whether they're part of AMO or not. Um, mm-hmm. I've not had the patience to do what I think you're saying you're doing, but you basically are committing to an ad for four or five days, sort of regardless. If mm-hmm. if it was successful, you raised the budget, it tanked. You yeah. don't go in day two and just say, screw it, I'm changing everything. You actually sit to. with it. You used <laughs> no, to. I okay. did. And okay. that's why I was in learning so long because mm-hmm. anytime I would increase the budget and it would tank, I just start over and I would just duplicate it, shut those off and make a new set. And that's then what I've always been doing. Right. Yeah. I just kept changing and it didn't give enough time to get out of learning. And they're like, don't touch it for like a week. Just don't touch it. And so I'm like, really? okay, I'm going camping. I didn't have internet. Yeah. anyway. Didn't touch it. And when I got home, it was out of learning. And I'm like, oh, okay, good. Okay. And then I increased the budget and then it tanked. And then the week next week, when you increase the budget, it kicks it out of learning, right? I mean, I kicked it back into learning or is yeah. there, is that that 20% thing where once you're out of learning, you can increase it X amount without harming the learning phase. Yeah. I am not sure. I think mine are just okay. different, but I haven't gone out of learning, but they're just, it's, it's really weird because I'm getting the same amount of visitors to my store. So I can't really tell if it's like just a bad day or a bad week because mm-hmm. it's getting me the traffic, but not as many are buying. So that's okay. not the ad's fault. Is it? It just seems like it is. I don't know. That's uh, that's part of the problem is, is that I actually don't know. I do have, I do have an ad that was close to 9% at 70 cents per click. Uh, mm-hmm. I had one that was better than that. I had one that was over 10% at like 50 cents per click. And mm-hmm. it's something about the way that the ad is served. It generates a lot of interest. Even if it's on sales mode, it generates a ton of interest, but doesn't necessarily prime people to purchase. It's one of the the things I don't understand about Amazon is like, why did this ad get so many clicks and so few sales versus the one I'm running right now? For example, I mm-hmm. might get three clicks a day, but if they click, they buy. No, yeah. no clue why. That's really interesting. I don't know. Yeah, it could be the graphic or the copy. It, it's hard mm-hmm. to know, right? But right. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I haven't seen a huge difference. Maybe if I left it alone and stopped increasing the budget, it would be better. Because like it was doing really well. I was making $50 a day, approximately profit. So I was really excited. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I guess Wednesday, I changed it by $5. And every time I do that, I panic. I'm like, I want to turn it yeah. off. I'm, right. I'm going to run out of money. And then it's yeah. like the next day it'll be profitable again. So I'm like, oh, good thing I left it on. <laughs> but yeah. I I am very much like panic mode, turn it off, start a new one. Yes. Um, and just the past few weeks, I've made myself stop. My husband's like, stop touching it. Stop messing with it. Just leave it alone. I'm like, oh, I want to turn cool. it off so bad. Cause I'm, I keep spending mm-hmm. well a hundred a day and mm-hmm. then I could lose up to 50 a day. Sometimes I'll lose. Yeah. Oh, actually the other day when I duplicated, um, so I was asking Steve, how can I, how can I scale this up with a, it's taking forever. Cause I can only do $5 like a week basically. So he said, you can just duplicate it and just make the next one for like $50 a day or whatever you want to do. So I did that and I accidentally duplicated it like three times. Yes. Correct. <laughs> so I yep. spent like, I've done this before. Yeah. $200 yesterday. And then I happened to go in and look and I'm like, Oh, I didn't mean to do that. And it didn't get me any extra sales, which was about I wasted like a hundred dollars yesterday. So um, I don't know how that happened, but um, I did turn those off because it seemed like in the past, whenever I would duplicate the Mm. ad set, it would like amp up my other ads that had been running and I would get this big surge of sales. Oh, wow. And I did that like three times and it worked every time. And this time it didn't work. So Mm. I don't know what happened, but I turned those off. It wasn't helping. And I'm just going to let these run and try not to think about that. I'm losing money every day, but it's okay. It's worth it. Once it goes back, it will make yes, it. Is. So hopefully yeah, it will. That profitability soon. Yeah. My sense too, is that I, I don't know when this will happen. I interviewed Naomi not too long ago. Um, and, you know, her kind of talking through her process just made me realize you do get to a certain point where you're going to have days where you take a big enough loss that it hurts. 
But generally speaking, when everything's running really nicely, uh, you're making money the majority of days in such a fashion that like, okay, I'm losing some of my profits here versus me. Uh, and I can only speak for myself, but right now, if I have a day where I'm losing money, I'm losing money because I'm close enough to that profitability line where it's like mm -hmm. losing money on a day is losing money on a week. I need to be profitable pretty much every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think that that'll be a fun change to get to. I do believe it's going to happen. I've talked to en enough people in my genre to understand, like, I'm going to get there. Uh, but boy, oh boy, this program emotionally can take a toll. And so I want to talk a little bit about that before we wrap things up by talking a little bit about your passion for writing, because I think it's not really an episode unless we we discuss, like, why you do what you do. But first, like, Talk a little bit about the emotions. You've already hinted at it. I just I just want to hear more from you about what you're thinking, like on a day where it's going screwy, what are the kinds of things you do to um, stay mentally healthy? Because I don't know that I win that battle every day. Some days I, I just take a nap. I'm not even kidding. I never used to take naps, but some days with ammo since I started it, I'm like, I'm going to go take a nap because I feel like I've just gotten beaten up. It's, oh, it's so true. Okay. I'm not the only one. That's good. And I know I'm not the only one because I see people post about it in the group. Um, yeah. but I literally almost shut everything down and quit a few weeks ago, right before I became profitable, which yeah. is, you know, so ironic, right? The, yeah. the worst part comes before the best part, but, um, yeah. I just felt like I was losing so much money and it's so expensive. And just seeing that money go out the window every day is I'm like, I, okay. One thing that I haven't told people in the group is I sold my husband's car to do this. Uh, woo. So I should tell I'm so Steve. happy. <laughs> I know I, I sold it. Um, right. It's actually it was crazy timing because yeah, I hired a coach last mm, September for ten thousand dollars to teach me. Wow. How to, yeah, it was a huge investment. Um, yep. I had to. He. I really wanted to make money on Kindle because I thought that was the only way, and I was doing pretty good on Kindle Limited already. And he taught me how to market my book specifically for Kindle Limited. And Ooh. it worked really great. I pretty much made the money back and, and within. Oh, nice. Yeah. Amazing. So I think I broke even at least. And I did make, I've learned so much from the strategies he taught me that he swore me to secrecy and I cannot tell anyone. Um, <laughs> so, but it worked really great. And I do apply some of that to my ammo, but, mm -hmm. um, and then when I took my books out of Kindle Unlimited, I'm like, he's going to kill me if he sees me doing this. <laughs> but yeah. he I put them back in. It's fine. It didn't really screw with my sales at all. It, it was fine. Um, yeah. But basically taking that big hit. Um, and the other thing, he's going to pitch my screenplay to, he knows he works in Hollywood. Right. So I haven't written it yet. And that's my next thing. Oh, okay. But he's going to do that for me. That was part of the $10,000. Um, but we had taken that big hit financially. And then that wrapped up in about March, we finished. And then okay. um, I found, oh, sorry. No, first I sold the car. Cause I was like, I'm running out of money for Facebook ads. And this was while he was teaching me, he's like, you got to put like three grand into Facebook ads this month and you're going to make double yeah. that or whatever. And it worked, yeah. but I needed the money. So I told my husband, let's sell your car. Cause he, this is, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent, but I retired in September and I work full-time writing. So um, he wasn't driving every day anymore. So I said, what do you think about me selling your car? And I'm going to use the money for Facebook ads. And he agreed to it Yeah, <laughs> two times. I asked him twice. Second time he said, Okay, let's do it. And then you owe me a, a Corvette in a few years. And I said, okay, so awesome. um, I'm going to get him a nice car in a few years when I get profitable. But I sold the car. We got $14,000 for it. And I put a lot of it toward the Facebook ads and I did make some of that back. And then when I found immediately, immediately after that, I found ammo and I used the rest of the money to buy the ammo course. Yeah. So basically wow. I sold the car to pay for ammo inadvertently. That's cool. So it's, That's I got to tell Steve <laughs> to, that I did that, but, um, and I used some of the money for, you know, ammo ads too. And then I kind of ran out and then I panicked and I, I just kept seeing money go out the window. And mm -hmm. um, I remember I posted in the group and I said, someone talk me off the ledge. I want to quit because yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm just wasting my time and my money. And then I just go through and I see everyone's success stories. And I'm like, I know I can do this. I've made a lot of money yes. on Kindle. Um, I think I make, I mean, people keep telling me you make more than I do. And I'm traditionally published. And it's like, of course, I, you know, cause they don't, they yeah. don't make as much as they used to. And um, so my husband's like, please don't quit. You've come this far. Like, I know you can do it. Like I quit my job right. for this. Please do not don't quit. <laughs> so yeah. like, um, 
I I just I don't know what happened like that week, the next week I became profitable. Um, wow. so, and it was when I stopped touching my ads, stopped messing with things. Um, and I know they tell us to test things, mm-hmm. but with the ads, you really got to leave them alone. You can test your sales pages, but I just kept like messing with my ads. Um, mm-hmm. so that's why I'm hoping it will go back to the way it was. I'm giving it more time. I'm trying not to, yeah. but I'm kind of, at, I'm at that stage right now where I'm like, did I break yes. it again? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I've broken my ads before by just increasing it by $20 and they, mm-hmm. they would shut down. So I think what I need to do is not touch my ads and scale it very gradually, like very, yeah. very gradually, more gradually than most people. Um, but yeah, I know how that feels to just mm-hmm. see your bank account. It's like $900, bam, gone. Yes. Um, Cause they so bill you. Well, for me, they bill it in 900 and I've tried to get them to, um, to lower that, but they can't, I guess, in a business. Oh, account. Weird. Okay. Like, you know, how I, my, mine is uh, minus 600. It, it bills oh. every 600, literally mine bills every 600. But what I will tell you okay. is, is that um, I had right around the 4th of July. So it's actually, I was looking at my sales for the call today. Um, mm-hmm. And on the 8th of July, I finally did say F it. And I turned mine off because I was just losing money every day. I wasn't making any sales. I went consecutive days without a single sale. And I said, something's mm-hmm. broken. So I turned it off. Um, mm-hmm. And since I've been back on again, uh, they bill me every three dollars. I'm getting like multiple invoices a day for like <laughs> you know tiny little amounts of money. And I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, it's it's very weird. Um, but yeah, I, I I'll also say while we're right on this topic that uh, I thought even before we got on this podcast conversation about turning my ad off, even though I'm selling well, because I'm looking at those numbers and I'm like, they're atypical. I have better performing ads, but. There was, Steve said to me today, uh, when, when I was on the call, he said, um, I think sometimes people assume that a couple bad days means your ad is tanking. And he's like, you got to think of it in at least 14 day chunks. He's like, Mm -hmm. if over 14 days, things are not going well, then respond. But if, if you have a couple bad days, just walk away. That's so hard for me. It's It's really really hard. hard. Me too. Because, um, I mean, a lot of the times most of my income comes from Kindle Limited, which is once a month. I get yeah. paid once a month for that. Yeah. And then Fiverr. I freelance on Fiverr and I publish books on there and I edit. Oh, wow. Stuff. Okay. So that that really helps. I replace my my husband's income with Fiverr. Oh, um, okay. But which was so not planned. That's, That's a whole great though. story. Yeah. <laughs> I just posted a gig on there and it blew up because no one else was publishing. But um, amazing. It's. Yeah, it, it's hard to see. I'm the only one making money right now. He homeschools all my kids, our, our kids, sorry. <laughs> we have five yes. kids. He my wife them. does that all the time. She's like, my kids. I'm like, I they're our kids, kids, okay? Kids. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. they're your kids if they're bad. They're our kids <laughs> if they're doing well. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I mean, three of them are in school, but two are little. But he yep. takes care of them. And um, and I forget what I was saying. But yeah, I'm trying not to turn off my ads because it's like, it's when you're freelancing and it's yeah. like, you know, Fiverr is really good. I wish I could charge more without like not getting any sales, but it's yeah. hard money and it's just going out the window. And I'm like, oh, but I, I really think I know I'm going to get there because um, yeah. I've seen so many people are doing it. Yeah. It's great when I, I go to the scale calls and I see more and more people there every week. Mm-hmm. It's really nice to, to see that. It's, I love when people post in the group um, what they're making and how like, their story. And to me, that's so encouraging because uh, I literally yeah. would show my husband be like, look, she made twenty thousand yes. dollars this month. He's like, "Yes, that's you in like yeah. three months." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's my biggest fan. Definitely, he's my biggest supporter. So that's amazing. I love yeah. that. He talked me my- off the list like three times. <laughs> he's like, yeah. "Don't turn your ads off." <laughs> so yeah, yeah. My my wife, she hears from me on um, not a daily basis anymore, but pretty frequently still. I'll, I'll I'll say to her, "I just don't get it. I feel like I'm cursed because um, it's just yeah. like." every metric is where it should be. And it's the, the, like the whole picture is never coming together to have that explosive growth. Like Naomi talks about it. I think Gordon Carroll talked about it a little bit. There's a day that, uh, things are not going well. And then you wake up the next morning. It's almost literally as if you wake up the next morning and everything has exploded on you and you're selling, you know, mm-hmm. at four, four row as, you know, return on ad spend. And, and it's just like, Oh, this is amazing. And so you scale and things go well and, and you, you, uh, have your happily ever after it's tough. And so my wife will oftentimes say to me, um, I wish that I didn't feel so helpless. I don't know how to fix this problem. Uh, and and that in and of itself, I think is one of the most amazing statements of support because she's never saying quit, don't do this. She's saying, I know for sure that you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. I 
just don't understand how to help you. Yeah. <laughs> like no, that's, that's actually true. so comforting in a weird way. So yeah, that's pretty much what my husband says too, except he's like, just, you know, every time you mess with it, it, it gets worse. So just please yeah, don't leave it. it alone. And I did touch it for like a day. I mean, I turned it off for like a day once and it, yes. um, I just, cause I, I needed to, and then he's like, mm-hmm. why'd you turn it off? Please turn it back on. And I, and I did. And it seemed okay. Naomi's mm-hmm. like, I think it's all right if you turn it off for like a few hours, but she's mm-hmm. like, don't turn it off too long. Cause then everything yeah. will stop. <laughs> and I'm yeah, like, okay. Exactly. And then I just turned it back on. But, um, yeah. I have been at that point. I want to say at least three times where I'm like, mm. I could be putting all of this money into my Amazon ads, mm-hmm. um, which by the way, I use traffic ads for, and they work, which is funny because for ammo oh, traffic ads did not work for me I right. tried a few times. Yeah, um, I think it's because my books are 99 cents on Amazon. My ebooks. Okay. And so it's, they're more likely to buy anyway. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Cause when they saw 1999 for ebooks, they'd say, what I'm not paying that or even 9.99 or six books. I'm not paying. I can't pay that. It's like, yeah. yeah, Okay. (laughs) I want to talk about, I want to talk about the, uh, the, the passion for writing. Cause I think like, like I said, it's a really important thing, but because you mentioned that you have to stay with me for a couple more minutes because I'm really curious. I've actually uh, considered raising my prices on my own website so that I can do 1999 for five books uh, Mm -hmm. and make it look like a better deal. But Every time I think that way, my head says they can go to Amazon and get them cheaper. What if they discover that? What if they find that out? So if I'm hearing you right, you're actually selling the same books for more, or is it because you're on KU that you're able to offer those ones cheaper and the ones that are ammo only are more expensive? Is that? Yes. Well, it was. Okay. Okay, So when I had my one series on ammo, I raised the price on Kindle. Took it out of KU and raised it to $9.99 for the six book box set for ebooks. Mm-hmm. And then I sold it for the same price on ammo. So they, either way, it was the same price. All my other ebooks are 99 cents. Um, and that just works for me for that genre. The pages read makes up for it. And I, I feel like it gives it a boost. Um, if I raise it to $3.99 or more, it's like no one buys it. I think it's just because yeah. that demographic, they tell me a lot. They're on a fixed income. And the only way they can afford to read is through Kindle Limited or 99 cents. And that's, yep. I don't know if it's just my audience or, or what, but that makes me the most money. And people ask me all the mm-hmm. time, how do you make money on a 99 cent book? And I'm like, it's the pages read. It's oh, yes, on KU. Yeah. yeah. So it just made it totally, it's worth it for me to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. When it was on ammo, it was the same price. And my paperbacks mm-hmm. are a tiny bit more on Amazon just to deter them. And get it from me, which is it's like three dollars. Yes. It's not that much more, right? But um, because if they buy it on Amazon, I get like two dollars, and then if they buy it on ammo, I get half. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so try to get them to. I also like to be able to sign the book. Them. I do really enjoy that. So. Oh, sorry. Um, what, what was the last thing you said? I just said I also enjoy being able to sign the book. I personally yeah. self fulfill, um, and I know that not everybody does, but I like to self fulfill. So if they order, I've got boxes of my own books. I'll sign it and put a small little note in it. I was talking with David mm-hmm. Shearer, and and he was like with Lydia. He's like, we did that. We did that for a while. Now we sell too many. There's no way we could do that. And I said, well, yeah, I'm getting there. You know, put a little autograph really quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I thought one okay. of my kids was coming in. Sorry, but they're not. No, you're you're fine. Actually, you probably heard my kids coming in. My wife just got back from being oh. out and about, so there was many door slams. All in a row. Um, so you you got into writing Amish romances, and I don't think anybody writes just because they think it's going to be lucrative. So you've got a passion for this. Why did you start writing? Why do you still love it? Why is it worth all of the frustration and and the upset and the hardship? Um, actually, it's funny you say that because when I started writing, it was fantasy, and I just loved that world, the world building and go like escaping and into a whole different world. And I used to write like time travel, fantasy and all of that. And then I did choose Amish romance because I thought I could sell well in it. That is part of why I did start writing in that. Um, Because back then it wasn't as competitive. There was like Beverly Lewis, Wanda Brunsetter and, you know, Amy Clipston and Kathleen Fuller and not that many. And now it's, it's blown up more and a lot more are indie authors in that genre now too. Mm -hmm. So I thought, I think I can sell in this. And so I yeah. did my research and I wrote the books and it, wow. in the first book it blew up and by blew up, I mean, I made $900 my first month and I was like, yeah. this is the best thing ever. I thought that That's was it. Great. This is it. And, yeah. yeah. Cause I, when I was a teenager, I'd make 
a hundred dollars a month, which I is that mm-hmm. looking back, it's like, oh, it was a bad book. It had bad, no editing, bad mm-hmm. cover. And, you know, so I was used to that. And when I made 900, it was great. So I knew I could keep going. And so I kept writing more and more in the series. And when I do the fairy tales, it kind of lets me write the fantasy and do what yeah. I, that was like my first love. I call it like my first love of writing was fantasy mm-hmm. and time travel and like a sci-fi kind of thing. And I can still do that with the Amish fairy tales, but it's a genre that makes me money. And I fell in love with the Amish genre when I started writing it more than yeah. I thought it would. So it's kind of funny. It's like I did the market research, but I ended up loving it. And then I ended up loving yeah. the marketing. And I feel like I do way more marketing and, you know, like selling the books than the actual writing. <laughs> so yeah. people are like, do you just write all day long? And I'm like, no, I mostly am freelancing or trying to sell my books. And then I'll yeah, yeah. write one when I can. <laughs> but yeah. and, and I, I put out like four books a year, four or five books a year, um, okay. which I guess That's is. Quick. I guess it's it's quick. Quick. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So I just, I do love it. I love the world building and the fantasy and it's kind of like the best of both worlds, okay. which is trying not to sound like Miley Cyrus, but it is. So, yeah. yeah. What I, what I appreciate so much about what you're saying is um, that I think a lot of people listening think it has to be a different way, like that you have to be fully passionate for the thing that you go in on. Um, mm-hmm. And in reality, you made a very similar choice to the choice I made twice. Uh, I I had written, I got my master's of fine arts uh, from Eastern Washington University, thinking that I might make a connection and get a literary agent, be traditionally published and be like uh, Ernest Hemingway or something. And uh, instead, I did manage to get a literary agent, but only after I made the hard decision post-graduation to write something that I thought was commercially viable. So mm-hmm. I, I'd never written mystery before, but I liked some mystery stuff that I'd read, especially Raymond Chandler and that hard-boiled tone. So I mimicked it and wrote a book uh, and I got a literary agent. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to be Ernest Hemingway, or I guess I'm going to be Raymond Chandler now, but here we go. We're going to do this thing. And we spent three years trying to market it and nobody would buy it. Uh, and so I made a second choice to join Ammo and self-publish. And then I had all these books I had written while I was waiting for the moment of of awesomeness to happen. And But ultimately, I took my mystery and I said, it was never intended to be a series. It was always intended to be standalone. It has a, a bit of a, um, you get to decide how it ends, ends. You know, it's one of those endings mm-hmm. where it's it, it could go one way or it could go another way. And you have to decide. It's a, a moment of decision, basically, for the main character. And mm-hmm. I loved that. But in order to write a sequel, you have to give people the decision, you know? And so right. it was hard giving up something that I loved, but I also realized I love writing more than anything else I've ever done. Uh, and I only feel like a whole version of myself when I'm actively writing and putting out books and imagining stories. And regardless of what anyone says, uh, I'm going to do that in any way that I can. So am I writing like my favorite genre, the genre that I read the most? No. Um, did I sacrifice one of my books uh, and like the the artistic vision I had for it to make something bigger? Yes. And am I happy about it? Guaranteed. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Like if I don't write for a while, like I just put a book out, so I'm going to take a break. But in a yeah. month or so, I get kind of cranky if I, I'm like, what is wrong with me? And my husband's yeah. like, Have you been writing lately? And I'm like, no, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So it's I gotta I gotta do that. It's like my um the way that it I guess I unwind or whatever. It's a creative outlet for me. So yeah, and the other thing too that I forgot to mention is um mm-hmm. when I went to live with the Amish, it was literally like stepping stepping back in time, like by a hundred. Yeah, of course. Years. So it's like <laughs> yeah. it's, that's another reason why even just the genre in itself is like going to a whole different world because and I yeah. think a lot of people are drawn to it. Because this life we live in is so fast paced. And mm. when you go to the Amish community, it's like everything is slowed down and it's simple and it's everyone knows each other's first name. And it's like one big community of friends that help mm-hmm. each other all the time. And you do not see that in everyday life. So I think that's why they are so yeah. drawn to it. And it's like an escape for them. So and it, that's why it is for me. Yeah. too. That's another reason why I love the genre, too. So, yeah. So for everybody who is listening right now, tell them where they can find your books. If you want to give me uh, any kind of link that you're using for your your doorbuster or your sales page, I'd be happy to enter it in. I know, like I said earlier, Steve uh, encourages us to kind of keep those things pure, but whatever you want, how do listeners connect with you if they want to read your books and get to know you a bit better? Okay. So my website is ashleyemmaauthor.com and Emma is my last name, if anyone's wondering. Oh, um, gotcha. Okay. 
a lot of people think it's my middle name. Yes. And then the uh, the landing page, I'll have to send that to you if that's okay. Cause I can't, I have three of, of them. course. So yep. I have to nope. get you the one that's, it's got all three series on it. So oh, perfect. Okay. Um, yep. I'll just send it to you if that's okay. Um, and then that, yeah, that's it most. And if you want to go on Amazon and look me up, if you want the eBooks, um, just look up Ashley Emma and it's A-S-H-L-E-Y. Um, and perfect. then if you want to get the paperbacks for my MO, that'd be great. Cause I get 50% instead of $2. <laughs> yes, exactly. We didn't even <laughs> talk about the- fact that direct fulfillment is what makes this such a, a wonderland, but I have covered that enough on the podcast. So uh, okay. hopefully listeners do know that. Um, sure. Excellent. It's been really fun talking to you. I, I super appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch, I'm sure, through this process. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. This has been really interesting. So thank you for having thank you. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening?